Is it on? Welcome to the Shant Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. Welcome into another edition of the Shant Show. We come to you roughly 24 and a couple uh, of extra hours beyond some of the greatest news in coastal football history dropping. Grayson McCall has withdrawn from the transfer portal. Number 10 really does piss Teal. Um, he had a number of offers on the table. Some things didn't work out. We'll get into to that a little bit later, but Grayson McCall is going to be under center for yet another season at Coastal Carolina. This is now essentially two bonus seasons. I mean, you really look back, he could have left two years ago after that 2021 season, you know, winning the Cure Bowl, and, and he could have gotten out of here and been gone. Um, and, and now you get this past season and next season are seasons that a lot of Coastal fans didn't expect him to be around for. The fact that he is changes the outlook of this program immensely under Tim Beck in the first season. Josh, I'll come to you. How much does this mean to the program that Grayson McCall put his name out there, searched around, and said, there's no better fit for me than Coastal Carolina? I mean, it really says everything. Like like you said, we were talking what better way for Tim Beck to start his tenure as the coach with, with the, one of the best, if not the best player in college. Well, it's certainly one of the best quarterbacks going into 2023. And that's going to be pretty unanimous. I mean, you saw the love that this guy was getting from the national media when he entered the portal, like we can take it for what it is because now it doesn't for a minute. It didn't have that CCU bias on it because they thought he was going somewhere else. So they were treating him like he was a really good player, but now he's coming right back. Um, The rest of the Sun Belt. It was funny on Twitter. They had about a couple of days to kick us while we were down and you're never going to have a quarterback. Your quarterback's leaving you. Well, we're right back. And, yeah, this changes everything for what Tim Beck can accomplish in his first year, the players he can recruit, and how he can set up the team for the future. And 1,534 players have entered the portal, and only 32 guys have withdrawn from the portal. Well, that's It says right here it's about 2%, and him being one of them is absolutely huge. So for him to choose Coastal Carolina, it means everything. It changes the way that we approach this next season for us. It's the first piece of great news that we've had to talk about on this podcast for a while. So we're super excited. We actually couldn't be more excited. And it gives us a lot of hope and a really good floor for the first year in the Tim Beck era. Yeah, Coastal Carolina actually has two of those 32. Willie Moyes put his hat in the ring and then withdrew like two or three days later. He wasn't in for very long, but he also chose to come back to, to Coastal Carolina. And it means a lot that guys are choosing a group of five program like Coastal. Yes, I know that they were already part of the program. Yes, I know that that should have biased them anyways, but it's still massive for this team. And I like your point there, Josh, that this massively raises the floor for next season. It raises the ceiling too, but I mean, worst case scenario, I mean, since we last recorded Bryce Archie's in the portal, Bryce Carpenter is no longer a part of the program. That happened before the bowl game. But you were down to Jared Guest, who, let's be fair, played like doggy doo-doo in the bowl game. That's not to say that he can't get better, but he was the 
only quarterback on the roster with any playing time. And, oh boy, you, you were in a situation where you needed to get two, three guys out of high school or out of the portal to start next season so that you didn't have an oh shit moment and have one quarterback go, your starter go down, and then you've got a running back out there trying his best. It, it, it massively yeah. raises the floor for what next season. For a be. period of like four to five days, it was looking really bleak, probably as bleak as it could be. Very, I mean, you're talking two to three wins as, as a season prediction, two and 10, three and nine, just because we didn't have a signal caller, all this talent was leaving, and now Grayson comes back in. And just the fact that you have the best player in the group of five, we've said it for, for three years now, he is, it, it means so much. It raises that floor. I think Grayson McCall by himself is good for three to four wins. We saw that this season where he can just take over a game and a game that you're not really in or a game that, you know, the rest of the team isn't playing well, he'll find a way to squeak out a win. He did it numerous times this season. Jordan, what does Grayson coming back to Coastal Carolina mean to you, specifically as as a fan of this program, as an alumni of the university, for him to pick Coastal Carolina again? What does that mean? Uh, me personally, it means everything because, you know, me coming in in 2020 before the undefeated season um, without a lot of uncertainty with, with the team at the time. And then he comes in um, and he just changed the program, he changed everything here. So for me personally, um, to have him come back and select Coastal again, it just means to me everything. And not only to me, but for all of Till Nation, I know everybody's excited. Um, Twitter's been blowing up ever since the news. Uh, his Instagram post is beginning a lot of likes. He put up a thing that said, run that, run that shit bad turbo. And, um, it just means a lot to me personally, because you, like you said, alumni as an alumni, as a student, when he was there, um, you know, Grayson is everything to coast Carolina. And we were all ready for him to just go on and, you know, make a career somewhere else. He had paid his dues here and, we were ready, but to see him, to know that he's coming back, um, it's going to mean everything. Um, everybody thought that we were going to be in the bottom tier of the Sun Belt, but now we're we're right back in it. Still a little bit more work needs to be done by Tim Beck, but um, I am so thrilled and excited for game one in 23 at UCLA at the Rose Bowl. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't want any other quarterback to be starting for Coastal at that game. And Grayson, he's earned it. And I feel like he's going to be even more pissed off this year because of everything that's been going on with the portal and stuff and all the coaches that thought they wanted him. They've turned their back on him. He's going to come in with a lot of motivation next year. And I'm telling you right now, if you thought that you saw a scarier Grayson McCall before, you haven't seen anything yet. So just be on the lookout for that. But personally, I'm glad he's back in Teal. Yeah, this this means everything for this program. It shows the growth of this program. I mean, you're talking about a, a team that didn't have a football team two decades ago. You're talking about a school that went FBS a handful of years ago to convince one of the best athletes in the sport to stay here when everything in the system has been geared towards getting good athletes 
to paydays at bigger universities, I mean, that means everything. It, it shows you that, that the teal and bronze is strong, and under Tim Beck, it's only going to get stronger. We did a whole episode when Tim Beck was first announced, and one of the questions in there was like, hey, what's your list? What's What's the first thing on your list when you get into your office? And it was call Grayson McCall and get him to get his name out of the portal. And he did it. We said in that episode that that he hadn't done that because at the time Grayson had entered the portal. And we were like, oh, he failed on his first objective. Bullshit. That list, the top three things on that list were get Grayson to come back in, hire really good offensive and defensive coordinators, and get a lot of talent out of the portal to fill the holes that you had. Check on one, check on two. He's working damn hard on number three. We'll get into that later in the episode. Mario, how happy are you as Tim Beck? You're walking into your office today. How big is the smile on your face? I mean, you got to have a great smile, you know, considering the fact that you didn't know who your quarterback was going to be before this. I mean, most likely it was going to be Jared Guest, but regardless, you were going to you were going to have one quarterback. Now, just the thought of you having two alone, that's great because now you have a little bit of depth. The fact that that quarterback is Grace McCall, it's huge. Now you have a lot more stuff to run. You have a lot more plays that you can run, a lot more things you can do with this offense. And I think on the other hand, too, with Grayson McCall, he should have a big smile that Tim Bex is head coach because we've seen Grayson McCall in the same system for three years, and we keep talking about that same system. But the reason why it's good to have a new head coach now is because this probably doubts what NFL scouts saying, yeah, he is a really good quarterback, but he's been in the same system for three years. How's he going to do in a different system? Now he's got that chance to perform in a different system and to show that it doesn't matter what system you put me in. It doesn't matter what players I am playing with. I've been here for three years, about to make it a fourth year. It doesn't matter who you give me. I'm going to make the best out of anything you possibly can give me, whether that's a different system, a different scheme, different players, whatever the case might be. So I think vice versa, it's a really good thing for both guys. I'm still concerned. Obviously, there's a lot more holes to fill. I do want to see one more quarterback, at least on this step, because I don't think two quarterbacks is enough, to be honest, in my personal opinion, especially with Grayson, because he's had himself a history of certain injuries that he's had and and being out. And like we said, we saw Jared Guest, not saying he can't get better. You know, I really hope he gets better because I really hope that he can – move on and progress, but I do want to see at least one more quarterback so we have a good, decent depth, at least in that position alone. Like you said, with the offensive line, that's a whole different other thing, but I think if you're Grayson McCall, you're smiling from ear to ear, and I think if you're Tim Beck, you're doing the same as well, so I think it works both ways. Yeah, a little bit to add on both of your points there. This is a coach that is known to produce quarterbacks and run a system that's especially friendly to quarterback's numbers and if he's got all these injury concerns which uh, let's be honest a lot of the injuries came from him being physical him being running this option and really throwing his body out I mean even that last in injury that he had was him running an option up the middle so for them to they're not going to run that system anymore they're going to spread the ball out more they're going to get quick passes to the receivers and let the receivers work for those yards I think he's going to be damn good in that system I think it's going to keep him healthier I think it's going to showcase to NFL scouts what he can do more. 
So I think overall, I think even having Tim Beck there is another reason he said, yeah, I can come here instead of, well, maybe I have to take another job that it's not as good as those, but they run a better system. I think he ultimately is going to make the decision that is best for his NFL career because we know that's where he wants to go. And I really do think that with the weapons we've committed to stay in, Jared Brown, Sam Pickney, um, the running backs as well, he, he's looking forward to being able to play in a new system that's geared to getting those guys the ball. And then one more quick thing to add on this whole thing is how many times did you see his name and the Coastal Carolina logo in graphics the past couple of weeks in Coastal Carolina's transfer quarterback? This guy's, I mean, when they updated the quarterback rankings, he was the number one guy in the entire portal. So that Chauncey was, it was put everywhere. So I think this was great for the recognition of the university for what Coastal Carolina is. And his commitment tweet just on Unnecessary Roughness yesterday got like 2 million impressions in like the first 24 hours. So Coastal Carolina got spread a lot more yesterday and it has over the past couple of weeks. And for us to get him back, I think this was just a win-win publicity stunt-wise for us as well in all, all directions. So yeah, I couldn't be any happier. Right. And on top of that, I think it also helps him with his draft stock as well, because unless we have like insider information, a lot of people who are looking at this, especially scouts, they're looking at Grayson McCall in the transfer portal. And he, there were rumors that he could have gone to big, big colleges. But at the end of the day, he was just stuck in that transfer portal. And it seemed like he wasn't going to get out or he was going to go to a school he didn't want to go to. And that right there, just other scouts, if they don't have the inside information that they need, we basically just say, oh, well, Grayson McCall, you know, these teams probably had better options or they didn't want to take a chance on him. Now, with a fourth year at Coastal, now he actually gets to prove that, hey, look, a couple of years ago, I could have went to the NFL draft, but I didn't. This year, I could have went to the NFL draft and I could have been one of the best quarterbacks taken, but I didn't. And we've seen it plenty of times, how there's so much quarterback talent and they end up dropping. We saw Malik Willis. Malik Willis is one of the most athletically gifted quarterbacks we've seen. He dropped to, what, the fourth round? Like, to say, so who knows? You know, if he would have gone into this draft this year, Maybe we wouldn't see Grayson McCall in that same situation drop it. I'm not saying he's a fourth-round talent, but that possibly is what could have happened if NFL scouts were looking at this. Now, with one more year, Grayson McCall gets to prove that he is that guy. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in college football for the last three years, four years at least. And now by the time he gets out of college and he enters the NFL draft, there shouldn't be no excuse. Yeah, and, and this system that he's coming into, the Beck system, which I assume they're going to run. I know they hired Travis Trinket to be the offensive coordinator, and the systems are similar but not identical. Um, we'll see in spring ball. Uh, that, that spring game is going to be really, really important this season. For the first time in, in years, that spring game is going to actually be worth watching. Um, <clears throat> just because... Coastal Carolina uh, can run a system that is not a pro system, but is a lot closer to a pro system than what they were before. It helps Grayson McCall immensely. And uh, I think it's just, it's really good for him. It's really good for Coastal. Um, The only thing I want to address before we move on here, there were a lot of rumors that the reason he didn't transfer out was academically related and people didn't specify what that was. Now, I don't claim to be an insider. I don't claim to have information that others do not have. Uh, I don't claim to be the Adam Schefter of Coastal Carolina, but uh, I have a Twitter account and I DM'd a bunch of people and I got answers from from sources that I trust. 
And essentially it boils down to this. Coastal Carolina is such a new university that a lot of the big old universities don't view it in the same way that they should. Uh, They don't view it on equal planes. So when Grayson McCall went to transfer, he essentially would have lost nearly half of his credits and would have been academically ineligible for anywhere between a semester to two and if he's two semesters ineligible, he misses next season anyways. Um, I just wanted to make that clear that it wasn't because Grayson has like a 1.5 GPA that he was academically ineligible. It had way more to do with transferring credits. We had this whole situation on the basketball this team this season at Coastal um, with Antonio Day, who is probably the best player on the team, um, had to sit out until essentially this fall semester was done in order to become academically eligible. It had nothing to do with him having terrible grades or skipping classes. It had everything to do with transferring credits between universities. So I just, I just want to quash that rumor that Grayson McCall is a bad student and is, is here to play football and not play school. You know um, he, he's a good student. He's a good kid. And it's just, it just didn't work out. So that's, that's the only thing I wanted to clear up uh, a little bit with that. We move on to checklist item number three on Tim Beck's entry-level list, which was getting talent out of the portal to fill in holes. Now, nobody has committed to Coastal Carolina outside of the two players who removed their names, uh, Willie Moyes and Grace McCall. But Coastal Carolina has a lot of offers on the table to a lot of guys in the portal. And a lot of those offers are to offensive linemen. Now, it has come out that most of the coaching staff is following Chadwell to Liberty. Uh, thank God for that. Um, but even with new coaching, the offensive line had a lot of holes that needed filled. And a lot of the offers, a lot of the offers that we have out right now are to offensive linemen to come in and, and plug holes and be talented backups. That, that way, if someone goes down, we can actually play. And we can move on from the mighty mites and this we're, we're tiny, but we're vicious. No, we're just going to have a good offensive line. Jordan, what does Tim Beck offering all these players say to you, especially targeting the offensive line? It's saying to me that he saw what happened in the Birmingham Bowl loss. And he's trying to adapt to what we used to have and make it better. Um, I, I think that him offering all these offensive linemen is great. We we need bigger, more durable, and stronger offensive linemen to block for Grayson. He's trying to do everything he can to protect Grayson, to keep him from being injured. Um, and I think that him offering more to these athletes are going to help is going to help adapt us um, offensively and defensively. I just think that it's it's great to see that happen. And if we can get some of these guys that's in the portal to come to coastal, that'd be even great. We need like 300 pounders. I would like to see some 300 pounders. I don't think we've had one 300 pounder on the offensive line probably in the last two years. And we were still successful. Um, in those years. So if we could get some 300 pounders in, that'd be great. Um, But to see him being aggressive and offering these guys over these big power five schools, that means a lot 
it's good to see. And, you know, a lot of these players are actually considering they're coming to Coastal and taking the visits and things like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Tim Beck's really working hard to try to keep Coastal as one of the best teams in the Sun Belt. He's not, you know, taking a backseat to nobody. He wants to come in year one and keep this train rolling that we've had with the success. So I would love to, I, I'm, I love it. Keep it keep it up, Tim Beck, and let's see what we can do about getting some of these guys to come. Yeah, I mean, you you touched on it great right there, but just to be so aggressive, and we kind of hoped it would it would start off that way that he would kind of go crazy and realize the amount of holes and people that he simply just needs to replace or at least challenge at the very least to earn their spots in the starting lineup on offensive line, defense, anywhere really. We're, we're not opposed to him bringing in anybody. I mean, if he even wants to go get another quarterback, let's let's bring in depth. Let's bring in competition. You, you're going to have to work for it, and we're, we're going to put together the best group of guys on the field that we possibly can that are going to compete and will have earned it. So it's good to see him now finally. These are the first instances that he's been able to make moves himself. Like Tim Beck is making this move. This is his coaching staff. His guys are going on recruiting visits. We got rid of all that bullcrap that happened with all the guys going to Liberty. Now they had to wait till after the Birmingham Bowl because um, Liberty lost their bowl game, but it was like 15 days before. So now that's all done. Everything's Everything is done from that era. And now Tim Beck, it's his turn to make moves, and it looks like he already has. And in the next couple of days, we're going to start getting some commits from this transfer portal, and we'll be sure to welcome in and keep you guys up updated on all of those especially on twitter definitely follow us on there but we're very excited and it's great to see him being so aggressive and you better you better commit now because if if you're blocking for 10 then you could have a pretty special season and we we need you to step up and really build this thing up yeah this is this is really good signs for me because you look back at that that birmingham bowl and the two areas where we needed the most help were in the secondary and we're in the trenches on the offensive line specifically. And most of our offers have been to those two positions. We've got an offer out to an incarnate word uh, defensive back. They made the FCS semifinals, I believe. Big they were very, very good this year. Yeah, they lost. They were in the insanely good. That kid was their best player. And he's got a Coastal Carolina offer. Well, he hasn't committed. But again, just offering that guy tells me that Tim Beck was watching that game and went, here, 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 and here. And it, it shows me that he's willing to make it happen. The other news that happened, um, Jenkins, our tight end, um, uh, Jacob Jenkins, number 84, had five touchdowns this season. Not a lot of yards, but a decent amount of touchdowns. Uh, he has entered the portal. Along with that, Coastal Carolina has offered a Notre Dame tight end. Uh, Mario, I know you're a Notre Dame fan. I, I hate putting you on the spot here, um, but uh, <laughs> it it's tough to, to put you on the spot here. But what can you tell me uh, about uh, Kane Barong, tight end from Notre Dame? Oh, that look tells me he doesn't know nothing. Oh, no, do we offer like the seventh tight end on Notre Dame's roster? Oh, Mario. Put it this way. Well, we know about Michael Meyer, right? Supposed to be the next baby Gronk. We know about him, him going to the NFL draft. Put it this way. He was not the starting quarterback. Uh, he, Michael, Michael Meyer wasn't playing that bowl, that last bowl game. And the second string was not the guy you mentioned. But 
hear me out. Hear me out. Notre Dame has had a has had some insanely good tight ends throughout the years. You know, one my one of my personal favorite players in the NFL, uh, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph was a Notre Dame tight end. He did some great things. But throughout the years, Notre Dame has done a great job of developing tight ends. I'm personally He's praising the system. I'm praising. I love. I love Notre Dame. Look, I, I, anybody who knows me knows I love Notre Dame. Um, but Notre Dame definitely, in, in a way, is kind of like the tight end whisperer. Like they know how to. They know how to talk. Like work with tight ends and know how to update, like upgrade tight ends and give them all the information that they need to work. And Notre Dame's a huge has a huge. Uh, What's the best way to put it? Notre Dame loves to use their tight ends and systems. They love to do it. They've been doing it for a long time. You can see it with Michael Meyer. Even even their wide receivers were basically tight ends. You look at like Chase Claypool. You look at you look. Just go back and just go back throughout the years. Notre Dame loves using tight ends. As far as that guy, I'm gonna be real honest with you. I never heard of him. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. But that don't mean he's not good. That don't mean he's not good. Okay. I think getting a tight end from Notre Dame itself is huge. Because yeah. Notre Dame, out of all the schools, is not the school to discriminate against tight ends. They're really not. So no, that is that is completely fair. Notre Dame has a long history of producing really, really good tight ends. And this guy is a four-star prospect um, who committed to uh, Notre Dame. Uh, he was <laughs> – so <laughs> – I don't think Coastal's going to get it because I'm scrolling through his his Twitter feed and he's got offers from basically everyone. Um, but Coastal was one of the first teams to jump on him when he was in the portal. Uh, he's 6'3 and a half, 243 from Hartwell, Georgia. Uh, he was the number one tight end in the country coming out of high school. Um, that's who you're dealing with here. And, and he's very talented. He's very mobile, but he is more of a pro-style tight end think george kittle and not isaiah likely um he's gonna be willing to block he's going to be a good blocker but he's also got incredible hands he's gonna beat you on go routes down the center this would be a massive pickup for coastal carolina if they can land him uh it's gonna be an uphill fight but i trust tim Beck to do that because in tim Beck's system tight ends excel as well um nc state had a couple of, uh, of tight ends that that they didn't get drafted, but they were, were um, training camp invites. And so, you know, he, he can and will produce talent and numbers for the, the tight end position. So, you know, Coastal Carolina has has some options there. Um, the other tight end news for Coastal Carolina, um, Xavier Gravett has declared for the NFL draft. Uh we wish him all the best. Uh, we hope he gets drafted. We hope that his NFL career lasts for 15 years and he makes millions and millions of dollars. However, questionable decision a little bit here. Um, didn't see this one coming at, at, at best. We saw him maybe entering the portal uh, and trying again for another season. But he's in the draft. He's no longer at Coastal Carolina. Josh... Uh, how shocking of a decision is that? And I mean, what are your takeaways from, from what Xavier Gravett did this season? Yeah. So I was, I mean, I was absolutely shocked. I I probably read the announcement three to four times before I was like, okay, this is, this is legit. But we were talking before the podcast and yeah, six, four, two fifteen. He's an athlete. He made some, when he played, he made some good plays, but, 
truthfully, he didn't really play that much this year. And as far as we know as well, TJ Ivy still has one year of eligibility left. And I haven't seen his name in the portal. So he he's back and we know Tim Beck's going to get tight end. So maybe he didn't think he'd play much this year as well. And it had to have been frustrating to be a tight end in this locker room this year because those three guys all played, but they didn't play much. They weren't very involved and they mostly blocked a lot. So I got a guy that athletic and who showed flashes of being great. And there were multiple games that I shot down on the field where I had to label clips, Gravette toe drag. Like this dude is a sideline wizard. He's an, he's an athletic freak and he can definitely contribute somewhere else. And, if he thinks that's the NFL, and I mean, hopefully he's heard something that would make him think that, or maybe even the AAF or the CFL, there are other leagues as well to play professional football for a guy like that. So I really do hope that he finds somewhere to play and someone that will pay him because he's not he's not a bum. He's athletic, and when he was given an opportunity, he made plays, but he wasn't given many opportunities. And I'm hoping that Tim Beck's offense does incorporate more tight ends because Truly, this last year, Chadwell, we didn't see but 50 or 60 receptions to tight end. So I wish him all the best. But, yeah, I, I was extremely surprised. Yeah, I mean, finishes the the 2022 season, 20 receptions, 190 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, not exactly the numbers that you were looking for and, and not really the numbers that we were expecting out of, out of our tight end group, um, especially seeing the success that Isaiah likely had two seasons ago and now has – immense NFL success. He scored another touchdown uh, this weekend against the Steelers. Um, this, this is a, a weird decision, but again, we, we hope for all the best for, for, for Xavier Gravette and, and any time that a coastal Carolina player can put their name in the draft and can be drafted and can give us another name to put on the board in the Norman field house is a good thing. It's a great thing. And if he can kill it on his pro day, I doubt he'll get a scouting combine invite. But, I mean, if he can kill it on his pro day, if he can kill the interviews and and he earns a training camp invite or, hell, I mean, we talked about it pre-show. I mean, I I love the draft. And the way that the draft works in the later rounds is coaches would rather take a tight end with 100 receiving yards, but – ran a good 40 has a good body type then draft a guy that had 800 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns but is short and stocky and ran a slow 40 they'd much rather have the guy that's athletic and that's what Xavier Grovet is so he's got a chance again if the, if the numbers come back really well for him in the, these offseason workouts he's got a really good chance Josh you had something to add here yeah, I just wanted to add this real quick while we're kind of on the subject of NFL guys, NFL shots. Um, Lance Boykin did get an official scouting combine, NFL scouting combine invite this week. So it's big for him, and I am sure that he's going to absolutely kill the scouting combine. I mean, that dude is an athletic freak, and, and I'm upward 90, 95% sure that we're going to get him on the show here in the next couple months. I know him, and I'm going to try to get him on the show as much as possible so he can talk about that as well. And then Gerard Clark as well, getting the Senior Bowl, Reese's Senior Bowl invite. That's big for him as well, because before that, I think it was just the East-West Shrine. So big moves by prospective NFL scouts. And, I mean, Chance, and I'm sure DeJordan will get some invites for stuff too. I know he's the Hula Bowl as well as after him. So 
big week for the NFL guys as well. So shout out to Lance for that, though, and Gerard as well. Yeah, moving from the East-West Shrine Bowl to the Senior Bowl is a difference in a sixth to seventh round projected pick to a two to five round projected pick. I mean, those are the guys that are going to the senior bowl, the East West shrine bowl for all that it is. And it is a great game. It is, it is a great thing. And there are great athletes there. A lot of the guys that are there are from smaller colleges that have smaller draft profiles that are going to go late in the draft. They'll invite one or two kids and they'll go to the East West shrine game. Um, that are that are second and third round picks, but most of them are fifth round plus. The senior bowl doesn't doesn't mess around with those kids. The senior bowl is the cream of the crop. The best quarterbacks going into the next year's draft are at the senior bowl. The best offensive player. Yeah. And you saw he had the Shrine Bowl invite like months before yes. he got that senior bowl invite. And as soon as he got it, he was on that. So that if that shows you something as well. Yeah, I think he realizes how immense it is for his profile just to be invited to the Senior Bowl. Now, if he can go down to Mobile, Alabama for that week and tear it up like we know he can, we know the athletic freak that Gerard Clark is, if he can do it against some of the best talent that that the NFL has coming in next season, his stock is going to go through the roof. You're talking about a guy that used to play tight end that has that level of athleticism that now is as big as a house and plays nose tackle, but retained that athleticism. Jesus, you put him on a field with offensive linemen that are projected first round picks and he starts tearing them up. Gerard Clark's going to go from currently, I think he's sitting right around the 200th pick. So you're looking at like fifth, sixth, seventh round ish in there. It wouldn't surprise me if come draft day, he's a top 100 guy. Um, and that, that'd be another feather in the cap of, of Coastal Carolina. Uh, the last thing we want to talk about here is uh, Nathan Thompson uh, walks on at Coastal Carolina. And I, I know you're going to look at me and, and hear this and go, well, who gives a damn about a walk on? Um, this is important for two reasons. This is a guy that had offers from FCS programs and Division II programs and chose to stay home. He's a Conway native, has been a Coastal Carolina fan growing up. He is an all-state offensive lineman. He played guard at Conway. Um, his full profile, if you really want it, I can pull that up. He's six foot five, 290 at 18. And this is big for program building. You look at South Carolina and Clemson, and those guys fill the depth of their roster with preferred walk-ons. That's who Nathan Thompson is. He's not on scholarship. It wouldn't surprise me if he is very soon. But to convince an all-state, all-county performer to stay home, to walk on to Coastal, is massive in showing the growth of this program and where this program is headed. Mario, this is big, but how big is it really to convince a guy like this to walk on at Coastal rather than South Carolina or Clemson, places that are known for going around and picking up the best of the rest and bringing them on as walk-ons uh, walk from the state of South Carolina? 
I mean, you said it just a thought enough. I mean, usually when you're going to college to like be an athlete and everything like that, the first thing you think about is that scholarship. The fact that, A, we were like, yeah, instead of taking a full scholarship, be a walk on here. That was number one. The fact that he's been a Coastal fan all his life means he bleeds Teal and he will play for and he will play as best as he possibly can for, t- for the Teal. That's another thing. <laughs> And overall, I think just recruiting him here is huge. I really do, especially with the frame that he has in the end. When you look at the measurables, I mean, we're talking 6'5", 290. Like, we, I have not seen an offensive lineman at Coastal Carolina that big. I have not. You know, we've been talking about the Muddy Mice, the Muddy Mice and all these other guys. I have not seen an offensive lineman that big. And I think to get somebody like that is huge. I think that's kind of a hint towards, like, the culture change that's coming around here where we're no longer these small offensive linemen who uh, just get around or we're these small offensive linemen who could barely do our job. Like, that's not us no more. Like, I think Tim Beck going out there and saying, hey, look, you're not going to get a scholarship right away. Most likely, like you said, he'll have one. You're not going to get a scholarship right away. Um, I know you got in full scholarship rides to FCS schools and Division II schools, but – for him to be like, yeah, instead of taking those, come over here. I think that's huge. I really do. I don't know what he said, but I think that's huge. My only concern is that even though Tim Beck recruited them here, that's step one. The other step is for them to, to perform well and for him to keep that relationship with these players. If he can do that, I really do like Tim Beck's era here at Coastal Carolina University. But recruiting is one thing. Getting the players to trust you is one thing. And deliver, but delivering is a whole different other thing. And if Tim Beck had delivered, then sky's the limit. Jordan Mario made mention of it there. The coastal offensive line is is undergoing a a real transformation. We went from the mighty mites of 2020 to the semi mighty mites of, of 2021 and 2022. We still weren't big, but but we had a little bit more size. To now, the past two recruiting classes, and and this one. Um, we've brought in a lot of size on the offensive line. Can you speak to that and what that means and the culture that's changing and also what it means, again, to just keep a guy like this at home? The culture is is trending upward for the offensive line, depth and size. Uh, another thing, uh, no more Bill Durkin. So uh, I know you're happy about that. Um, you know, I think now that we don't have Bill Durkin anymore and um, – it's not. I don't. I'm not certain if we've um, h- hired a new offensive line coach yet. I think that is to be determined. But whoever is coming in to be the next coach, um, is going to be somebody that's going to know how to get the offensive line on the same page and to actually protect them and, and block for not only Grayson but for our running backs. So you know we got a, a ton of running backs that's still there, um, and we could have a really decent decent offensive line game this year coming up and in the future um you just you just gotta try to get those kind of guys you gotta get those guys that are in the six foot um 300 pound range that's just how it is um you gotta get tanks and he he, we got one with nathan uh thompson and i I think that he's gonna be somebody that's coming in although it is a preferred walk-on spot he's gonna come in hungry and ready to take somebody's spot and we see it we see it a lot and, you know, to see the the love that he's gotten on Twitter, 
you know, he put that commitment uh, tweet out yesterday and it's gotten a lot of numbers. And I'm expecting not only myself, but I know we all here are expecting to see him do great things here at Coastal. Like you guys have said, he's been a fan since he was a little kid. And I can't wait to see him get on the field and and, and try to uh, block for Grayson and Braden Bennett and all those guys. I think this is a huge pickup for us. And we got some more coming along the way. Yeah, you you mentioned his commitment at it on Twitter, and you mentioned it's doing numbers, and he's a local kid, and he grew up a fan of Coastal. And I just wanted to take this minute to kind of brag on us a little bit. We've been putting a lot of work into this, and he tagged us, or he actually mentioned us in his commitment to Coastal Carolina, one of the biggest tweets he's ever put out in his life. And we just want to say that we appreciate that. We we really do try to work hard on this and put out the best content for you, you guys. And Twitter, especially recently, has, the community has been incredible. You guys have been supporting us. And even the Reese's Senior Bowl tagged us in the Gerard Clark invite as well. That was big. So we're really trying to do this thing. And we're going to definitely try to bring Nathan on in the next couple weeks, months before he gets under the the Kevin Davis um, lockdown so we're going to try to do some big things, but I just wanted to take this minute to say that we appreciate it. And we especially we appreciate you, Nathan, for including us in that as well. And we're here for you. We fully support you. Yeah, absolutely. This show is, is expecting a lot of, of our fan on the field now, uh, Nathan Thompson. Um, you know, it, it means a lot to us that he included us in this. And we didn't talk about him on this episode because of that. Um, we talked about him because of, of the impact and because of, of how much it means to coastal, but it, it is nice to know that, that, uh, big number 67, uh, is going to have the shot show and his earbuds playing pregame. Um, you might not want to do that. Uh, I'll be real honest. Uh, but you know, it's cool. <laughs> it's real cool. Uh, but yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to add one quick little point is bringing him in, to me shows that coastal is coastal was finally a meritocracy, meaning that you had to earn your playing time. And, and we saw real quickly that it didn't matter how dumb Willie Lampkin or uh, Will McDonald were, how bad they played. They were still the guys out there. And I don't know if that screams to incompetence by the coaching staff, if that screams to our depth, if that screams to, you know, those guys are the starters so they can do whatever they want and nobody says anything. What I think him coming in and this new coaching staff, I think it shows you that they're telling these kids, listen, you're going to come in, iron sharpens iron, and you're going to earn your spot. And yeah, you're a preferred walk-on, Mr. Thompson. But if you come in 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 spring ball, I don't know if he's going to enroll early, or if you come in in training camp and you're going to kill it, you'll play. And that's exciting to me. It's for the first time since... Jamie Chadwell really took over and especially since 2020 coastal Carolina is going to have the best players on the field rather than the known players on the field. And I know that the known players and the known entities have brought us a lot of success over the past three seasons, but they also brought a lot, a lot of mistakes and a lot of heartbreak. And now you're finally going to get rid of that. And that's exciting. So just wanted to, to note that before we get out of here with that, uh, Josh mentioned it earlier. Our, our Twitter is, is probably the best place that you can find all of us. You know, we're, we're tweeting constantly. We're retweeting, you know, guys that get offers and guys that commit to coastal. If you want to get to know coastal Carolina news, 
our Twitter account is the best place to find that. And, and and dropping a follow there and turning on your notifications. We want to start doing episodes that are more press conference like. So, you know, when you guys hit us with your questions, we'd love to do a whole half hour, 45 minute episode where it's just such and such asks this. And, and we'll start to get those tweets together here in the near future. So you guys can reply to that and we can cultivate some some questions for the episodes. But yeah. The uh, the Twitter handle at the Shant Show on Instagram at Shant Show. That's a great uh, place to see all of Josh's incredible graphics work. Uh, our Instagram is, is a really good place for grabbing those and and seeing what what we uh, what we talk about and and how he can turn them into works of art essentially. But yeah, that's that's the best places to find us. With that, Teal Piss is ten forever. Shant's up. Can't wait for the fall of twenty twenty three, boys. <laughs>